Okay, hey, this is John Buckley, luxury watch expert with Tuscany Rose and now Vukum, and you are watching Folks Alert on Apple Podcast. Welcome to the Folks Alert Show. My name is Kiko. My guest today is John Buckley from Tuscany Rose. Now, Vu is it Vukum? Vukum. Vukum. Yeah. Vukum. And Why now. And now Vukum. Uh, yes. Sir, you are, well, you're a watch expert, fine watches. Um Listen, I'm I am so excited to have you here today. And here's why I'm excited to have you here today. Because me not being a watch expert, uh, mm -hmm. you could probably sell me a Rolex and I wouldn't even know it's real or not. Mm -hmm. And you see all these watches on social media, the big watch, the big diamonds. And I'm like, you, 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 you want to ask, is that real? And they have these inflated numbers, prices. So mm -hmm. I am happy that you're here, but I kind of stumble on you by accident, right? Because... Um, <laughs> Like and uh, you and you were buying a watch, I believe it was for a hundred and ninety thousand dollars, right? You trying to you were trying to get it for eighty seven, then you went up to eighty nine, one eighty nine, yeah. And I was like, I was like, I was like, I gotta get this guy on. I I, I want you on. So tell me this, how's your day going, man? My day is great, great. Today I was uh, I was not in New York today. Um, there's a whole bunch of Jewish holidays going on. I'm not Jewish. Everybody thinks I am, but there's a lot of Jewish holidays. So a lot of places were closed. So we, you know, we were working out of New Jersey today and uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show. And I really appreciate you, you know, reaching out to me. Oh, it's nothing, man. Uh, are you from New York or New Jersey? I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. What part of Brooklyn? Downtown Brooklyn, Cobble Hill. Okay. I'm from Crown Heights. All right. Okay, you're not, you're not you're not too far from me, so that's that's cool. You work you work. Uh, do you always? I, I see you a lot in the Diamond District from your video. Do you do yeah. mostly a business in the Diamond District? We had locations there since 2007, 2008, up until just before COVID hit. And uh -huh. fortunately, our lease was up in February of 2020. And we were like, eh, we'll renew. We were going on vacation, all of us. So we we're like, eh, we'll renew when we come back. And luckily for us, we didn't renew because the exchange was closed for months. It was a nightmare. And uh, now we go in like once a week and we, we hang out at um, right across from where we used to rent for, you know, at least five, six years or more than that. And uh, we hang out at Booth 7 at 66 West 47th with uh, Belinda Jewelers and uh, my boy Tony. And we're all buddies and we hang out together and do business and raise hell. <laughs> <laughs> back me up. Back me up a little bit. Uh, I want to back up a little bit. Now, now, I know the story, a little bit of the story because we talk. But right. tell us how you got started in this business. Uh, first of all, uh, I can't sing or dance, so I had to do something. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I was in social services. 
Okay. And um, I was always into watches and eBay was just on the come up. This is like in the late 90s. And I had been doing, you know, International Watch and Jewelers Guild shows, um, IW, um, IWJG, um, all of those like trade show type things. And I was, you know, making my way. I mean, I didn't really know anything. And I happened to come across some catalogs, watch-based catalogs. Mm. And eBay was starting, I put them on eBay and I sold them. And I mean, I literally got the catalogs for nothing. And that was my mission for a couple of years, getting catalogs and you know selling them on eBay. And I would have my staff call up uh, all of these numbers and, and you know have them delivered. And they were all, you know, I worked in Bushwick at um, St. John the Baptist, uh, not St. John the Baptist, at St. Barbara's Church on um, Central Avenue. And I ran a program called La Plaza where uh, we did uh, substance abuse, we did uh, job readiness, uh, childcare. It was a multi multi-service agency that I was supervising and um everybody you know I loved Bushwick I still do and uh everybody would bring me catalogs and we'd sell them and you know we'd, we'd make money and uh I started getting into the actual watch business like in 97 98 and then 99 was when I first started buying like you know Rolex stuff I specialize in Rolex but I know most other stuff but Rolex is my forte and um, I was at a NAWCC show in mm -hmm. uh, summer, and um, little show in a church basement almost. And a guy was sitting there, and he had a couple of Rolex boxes. And I was like, "Hmm, okay, this looks like something I could sell easily online." I was like, "How much are they?" He was like, "Oh, they're thirty bucks each." I mean, now <laughs> these hundreds of dollars each. What was but, he? Was these real Rolex? Yeah, 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 yeah. These were real, and uh, I mean. I was, I was a little, I was trusting, but I, I always had a good instinct. You know, you're from Brooklyn, so we have instinct, you know, right. but we know, you know, if we're going to get played or not. And this guy was an absolute gentleman and we had done, we subsequently did business for, we still do business. And, um, I asked him, you know, can I buy the two boxes? And he was like, yeah, sure. Do you want more? I was like, yeah, okay. And he had a bunch more in his car and he showed me some Rolex dials, which are the faces that go in Rolex, in watches. And I was like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll buy some of those too. And uh, I bought them, I put them on eBay and um, I started buying and selling that stuff. Um, I bought my first Rolex actually, <laughs> it was before I got married. I was married in 1998 mm -hmm. and I working in social services. And I remember I bought it in Tourneau in Roosevelt Field on the island. And I had to borrow money from my father in order to, you know, to, to pay for the second half of the watch. It was, I think, four or five grand or something like that. And I had to borrow 2,500 bucks from him. And I still have that watch today. My son wears it. And um, that was my first Rolex that I bought. And how much, uh, how, it much was, did you, how much did you pay? I think 4,200 or 4,500, something like that. I probably have this the old receipt because I'm a hoarder. If you look around this place, I mean, I've got <laughs> all kinds of stuff. I'm a collector. But, when but it the, comes to the thing with Rolex, right? Um, they don't you they don't they don't depreciate in value. They they usually don't. They they truly do not. They they fluctuate. But if you buy a Rolex today, ten years from now, chances are it's going to be worth pretty much the same or more than what you paid right. for it. 
I, I was more into the older stuff that already had depreciation built in the vintage market. That's where I really started learning about stuff. And I became a pretty well-known vintage dealer of parts and watches and, you know, really highly regarded. In, okay. So, you know. so you're saying, all right, the Rolex, the, the, the whole, the complete watch is valuable, but yes. the parts is even oh. valuable. Is, is has just as much value well not just as much but is as valuable as, as well sometimes more sometimes Some, more i mean i i specialize in like dials which are you know these things right here uh, let me see if i have something here yeah like this kind of stuff okay like right that's from Ona. And I mean, when the collectors need a part to complete a project, you know, they would come to me and, you know, there are other dealers out there, but we're all usually fighting for a lot of the same merchandise, unless we just get really lucky. And, you know, we, we find some fresh inventory from somewhere, an old watchmaker or an old collector, and we just buy it all up. I mean, I've flown all over the country, you know, buying parts and then shipping them back. Yeah, so <laughs> um, for, for you, yeah. you, I mean, you want the watch, but also if you can get parts, you'll take the parts. Oh, I'd rather have the parts. The parts oh, are you're... so much easier. Oh my God. Much easier. You see what goes on with watches in those videos. It's a nightmare. Yeah. The thing that people don't realize, okay, look, I I'm, I'm mainly a wholesale guy. Okay. So my game is, you know, buy as many watches as I can make 2%. If I can make 2% on high, high, high end stuff. 3%, 4% on, you know, lower value stuff and just move the stuff out as fast as possible. Gotcha. Just buying, buying and selling with parts. I mean, I'll buy parts. I've got parts that I've had for 10, 15, 20 years that I'm just sitting here waiting for the right person to come along. And when they do come along, they're going to pay me whatever, whatever price I put on it when they need it, they will pay for it. Okay. And because some, some of these parts goes on vintage Rolex that Rolex don't even make anymore. That's correct. I mean, I've gotcha. sold faces vintage dials for six figures i mean many times mm. many times i mean i've had guys get on a plane and fly you know all over you know to asia europe you know because i'm not going to ship it just put it in your pocket and go you know right. much better now tell me this now for rolex right is there a reason why rolex wouldn't make like certain parts anymore well, they, they, they kind of, Rolex is a really smart company. They're just really smart. They understand how to, how to, how to, it's, they're, they're, they're the type of company that they're not concerned about what the average buyer is going to say, because most buyers, you can't walk into a Rolex dealership right now and purchase, you know, one of their, you know, better watches, meaning a Daytona or a Submariner. You can't mm. even buy it just in any Rolex dealership. And that's got nothing to do with COVID or any of that stuff. Rolex has always been like that. The demand right now is so great that there's just nothing available. And the dealers, they'll give the stuff to their very high-end customers, you know, and I, I don't blame them. And we buy and sell them usually from people that would buy them from, you know, buy them from dealerships, they'll wear them or not keep them in a safe and then resell them to us. And Rolex doesn't like it, but I mean, you know, it's just the way of the world, you know? I mean, I try to respect, respect the brand. I do. Right. I'm one of those people that absolutely respects it. 
And uh, it, it's, it's unbelievable how, how the demand in the last three, four years has just gone absolutely nuclear. It, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's going to come down at some point. I keep saying that this, it can't go on like this. And it's rippling right now because of, you know, economic troubles overseas. But I mean, we're still, I mean, we're always doing business no matter what's going on because we have a very, very niche market and we're, we're very fortunate. And it, it's got a lot to do with the knowledge that we have, right. you know, you have to buying. Here's something that surprised me that I found out today about Rolex. Um, sure. And listen, I've been doing my homework since I knew I was going to speak to you today. After we, after we got off the phone, I was like, I got to go do some homework. Um, okay. I didn't know that Rolex was a nonprofit company. It's set up as a nonprofit company. Pull that out. Yep, that's the truth. People don't realize that. That's why they don't really, you know, they're they're extremely conscious of their customer and they're more conscious of their brand. Their brand is more I mean, they're just really smart. The the collectible watches of let's say the 80s and 90s till today, they're very limited that they were not that so much that they will produce that they will let go to their dealers. I mean, you, you, you can't walk into a Rolex dealership and buy, you know, they're one of their most popular models, which is a Submariner, you know, or a Daytona, you know, you how, can't walk how, in. How difficult it is to become a, a Rolex dealer. It takes a lot of money, uh, a lot of money. And they're a very tough company. If, if, I mean, I've been around a while and I know a lot of authorized dealerships that have just, you know, absolutely dropped the brand because they're just, they're very, very like, they have a strong hand when it comes to dealing with their authorized dealers. When it comes to Tourneau and the Rolex boutiques, that's where they want the customers to go. And there's no inventory there. So right. the, small, the smaller stores, the independent guys are getting hammered because they don't, they're not allowed to get. Like it, you can't get 10 of the best model. You'll get like three of the best model and like 20 of the worst model that you sell. It's just mm. the way they, and I mean, it contributes to a lot of, you know, gray market, you know, shenanigans, but that's just the way it goes. You know, it's the same thing with Patek Philippe or any of these other, you know, high end benchmark brands. You know, it's, it's just the way it is. I want to play a clip um, of you. <laughs> I like watching. Uh, listen, hey man, listen. You you are you push a hard line, but yet, mm -hmm. you know, you being in that diamond district, people trust you because you know what you're talking about. So if someone get a watch, they they call you. They do. But they do. let's oh. let's let's play let's play this clip. You know, I want to sure. come back. It says I'm gonna t I, I've labeled it. I'm gonna tell you what's wrong with the watch. We'll play okay. this and we'll come back. I'm going to tell you what's wrong with the watch. This is what I do. Okay. What are you going to do? I'm going to tell him what's wrong with the watch. What watch? This watch. Okay. Bracelet is not correct. And I will tell you why. The links are for a day chest. That's number one. There's no 50 on the end. If it's a GMT, it should have 50. Five zero right on this end piece right here. Okay. The watch itself is nice. I mean, it's, look, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's definitely, definitely has an issue. How much is it worth? Handwritten papers that are correct. Little Switzerland. People don't like them, but they're correct. You know, everybody gives they, a hard they time. They used to make this the way. 100%. That's how they 100% they did it. 100%. Paper, serial matches, everything's good? Yeah. It's a nice watch. I don't know. 10, 12 grand? Like that? Paid in. He has a crown. Oh, there you go. 
Nice dial, though. Beautiful. Nice dial. Get a, get a good band. Because a guy like me who's going to spend all the money on something like this is going to complain about the band. <laughs> you, you, you're going to complain about the band? Really, oh, John? Uh, yeah, I'm going to. Absolutely. Or else I want the watch for nine grand or 8500 And then you're going to put the right band on it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I brought the guy. You know, you know it's funny. I I'll be very honest with you. A lot of guys got into the vintage game. You know, I mean, I've been in it, you know, 25 years. But a lot of guys started getting into it because the profits are enormous if you really know what you're doing. These guys know just enough to be dangerous. You know, they'll see that watch. And it's called a root beer GMT because it's got a brown face. and It's got a whole bunch of, you know, stuff that, that makes it special. But every piece of the puzzle has to be right in order for it to really bring the right money. These mm. guys were buying stuff up, not knowing what they were buying, just because, oh, look at this, it's vintage, it's vintage. I get that all the time. And I'm like, okay, I don't care if it's vintage, it's not right. It's not, you know, I'll buy it for the sum of the parts. That's what I would look at. Like that watch for the sum of the parts, I mean, 8,500 bucks on its best day. Mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, look, that guy's not a vintage dealer. He's a regular watch dealer. They all want to try to dip their toe in the vintage waters. And a lot of them get burned and, you know, they won't really say it, but I mean, I wind up buying a lot of stuff off them in pieces because, you know, they got crushed on something, you know, they'll spend 20, 30 and, and there's no shortage of money over there. That's the thing. These guys all have money to buy, <laughs> they, you know, they just, sometimes they have too much money and right. they just involved and it, it doesn't work out for them. And, you know, the thing that, uh, that, the thing that, that, that jumped out at me when you, um, when you were telling what was wrong with the watch, he was kind of nervous because I, I, I think he bought, he paid 13 grand for the watch. He paid more, trust me. Oh, he paid more. Oh, I, well, he didn't say it to me, but I got a feeling he paid more. He was nervous. He was like, oh my yeah. God, just tell me the watch is real. Yeah. Listen, the watch was right. I mean, it, it was the, 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 the case was right. It wasn't the greatest condition. There's, there's such a checklist. But, the, of, but, the, the, but what about the handwritten paperwork? That was, that was common in Europe, you know, and in other places. Dealerships, uh, these things, you got to realize that watch when it was sold was maybe two hundred bucks, okay? And that was a lot of money back in the. In, that was from the eighties, actually. I think that was an eight million series. Yeah, it was from the eighties. So I mean, it really was. It was an expensive watch, but it wasn't like you know. 10,000 like it is now. I mean, if you factor in insurance and do all the math and stuff mm -hmm. like that, yeah, you can justify it like that. But I mean, these watches were sold a lot of times, you know, at military bases and stuff like that. And the soldiers would go out and buy, you know, buy a watch, you know, because it was it, it was the status thing back then. But not many people know about it. Like right now, it's like everybody's involved in this. I mean, I'm doing a, doing a podcast with you right now. And right. you've never you're not a you're not a watch guy. I mean, I've done these things with watch guys, too. But it's just interesting how it's gone so mainstream. And it's like, that's kind of one of the reasons why I don't really wear them anymore. I'm just kind of like, okay. Now, talking, you know. talking about mainstream, okay? Sure. Guy like that, he buys that watch. And yes. you, we cannot ignore the black market of this stuff, right? Uh, you know, chances are someone may buy a watch and the watch might not be, it, it, might, get, it might be stolen, right? Yeah. Now, Probably. what happens... If that watch that he's got mm -hmm. was actually stolen from someone, well, yeah, there's there's a process. This is what ha this happens. Oh, so there's okay. a process in buying the watch. 
Well, listen, if you're buying the watch off the public, you have to fill out, you know, a buy book and you've got to hold it for whoa, a certain amount. What, what, what do you mean a buy book? Whoa. Uh, what do you mean a buy book? I got a buy book? Buy book, you have to have the driver's license. You've got to have, you know, some ID and you've got to hold the watch for a certain amount of time and you've got to run the numbers through NCIC and stuff like that. That's why I don't really do retail. John, I do John, John, I, I just, listen, I, I found the watch on the corner of 14 and 15th Street. All right. I, I just, I just need a. <laughs> You know, give me ten, give me five thousand. What are you talking about, buy book? We don't need to do any buy book. This buy book. Because that okay, let's go through the scenario. Okay, you come to me and you say, hey, I've got this watch. I don't have any paperwork with it. Well, the paperwork doesn't really matter. There's a serial number on each of those watches. Okay, right. serial number gets reported if it's ever stolen. So let's just say you sell me a watch, okay, and it's like, and I'm one of these, you know, off-color dealers who's going to buy it and not go through the proper channels to buy it off the public, which I very rarely do. But, you know, if I do it, I do it properly or, you know, you're leaving yourself wide open. So I take that watch and I restore it. I get it back to, you know, its original greatness, the way one of my collector guys wants it. I put it in a FedEx box. I ship it over to Hong Kong or Taiwan or Asia or Germany or Italy or any place in the world. My guy gets it and just so happens he brings it into Rolex because, I don't know, the bracelet came off or something popped off. Rolex will run that number and that watch will come up on something called their hot sheet and they will confiscate that watch. Okay. And you're not getting it back. Wait a minute. They'll so take it they, from you. They will take it from you. And it happens. And what happens is that person will come back to me and say, Hey, Buckley, you know, you sold me a stolen watch. And I'm going to be like, okay, you know, no problem here. I'll send you the money back. A lot of other dealers are not going to do that. And that's where the problem starts because I'm not going to be able to get the money from you. You're gone. You took the money and left. You know, I didn't take your ID. I didn't do all of that stuff. But there is a paper trail with this stuff and people don't realize it. And a lot of dealers get caught out there because they're buying these watches. They think they're getting a good deal and this and that, and they're not doing the paperwork. But you've got to make sure that, you know, your books are correct. You can't just, you know, you've got to have recourse with that stuff. You have to be able to, you know, to go back. And I had a situation with a watch a while ago, like so, 2007. That's time. But so when Rolex take the watch from you, where does where does the watch end up? Back at the original owner, or they keep it? They're going to try to go back. If there's usually an insurance claim that's filed, and they'll contact the insurance company and this and that. Every once in a while, okay, you know, the insurance claim will be, you know, it would have been satisfied, and then Rolex will have the watch. Maybe they'll give it back. It's very subjective, but for the most part, Rolex is keeping that watch. And, you know, you've got to give the money back or else you're going to be looked upon as a scab, you know, a terrible dealer, which, mm. you know, really, you know, look. You can have a great reputation in this business, okay? It's usually based on how quick you give a refund to somebody if they're unhappy, okay? We've had unhappy customers, okay? Every once in a while you get somebody who you can't please. It's like anything else in business. I'm not one of these guys that likes to go back and forth. If you don't like something, send it back. I'll give you your money back. I'll sell it to somebody else. I'm not, you know, that that goes for anybody. Because usually dealers, they like to play that game. They'll be like, okay, Buckley, I need this watch. I got to give it to a customer. I'm like, listen, am I selling the watch to you or am I selling it to your customer? I'm not putting that on my books. Okay, I'm selling it to you. And they'll sell it to their customer. And then their customer will come back and be like, oh, wow, you know, I don't really like the watch. And then they come back to me because, you know, they're... They're, they're not real guy dealers. You know, the real guy dealers will suck it up. They'll take the watch back like I would. They'll try to like let it roll downhill. Every once in a while, I'll get that. And you know what? Most of the time, I'll just give them their money back. If the watch is in the same condition I sold it, I don't care. Give it back to me.
Right. You know, it's not it's not the end of right. the world. It's not going to lose the value. Here's a, here does. Oh, I've had that situation where like what year was it? We've gone through a couple of like down markets and every once in a while you'll get somebody who, you know, wants a watch. They they want this watch and they want it bad and I'll be like, "Look, the market is at a peak right now. You know, you got to be careful." I always try to advise people especially like collectors and stuff like that. It's like, listen, man, this is not the time to buy this. No, I have to have it. I have to have it. All right, I'll pay all the money. I'm like, okay, you're going to pay all the money for it then. Okay, writes me a check. All good, no problem. I'll be like, look, you got to hold this watch for five to 10 years, okay? If you're not going to hold it for five to 10 years, there's always a chance that you're going to lose money. Sure enough, guy gets the watch. Two years later, he needs money. He calls me up, Buckley, I need to sell this watch. I'm like, what do you, what did I tell you? Right. You know, you lose. 10 grand. You know, I mean, it was an expensive watch. It was like $75,000 watch. So I was like, listen, you know, you've had the watch for two years. I mean, I can't give you even money back on it. The market is even less than what I'm paying you, but I'm, you know, you're a good customer of mine. I'm going to make good on it. But you know, you can't expect, you know, to, to, he's like, no, I understand. It's okay. I mean, it was cool, but that's the problem with folks. You know, they don't look long-term. I mean, if you're going to hold it, it's like buying Apple stock or like anything else. If you're buying quality, Okay, you got to make sure that you're, you know, you're going to hold on to it if you're buying it at the top of the market. It's like crypto. I mean, you know, right now crypto is tanking, but I mean, I'm still buying it, you right, know, I'm right. sure they'll buy it, you know, because I know maybe at some point it's going to, you know, it's going to shoot up. I mean, that's my son's thing. It's not mine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I buy it with him and, you know, he's like, no, you got to keep buying. You got to keep buying. I'm like, All right, great. Terrific. Right. I got a video going, here. What's that? Um, I, uh, this video here, uh, I think you were you were buying a watch, okay, and you wanted to get a test. I, I guess we, we're talking just like where we we're talking about a scratch or something. You want to yep. make sure. Let's take let's take a little of this video. We'll come back. We'll talk. Uh, what do you got for me? My guy wants sixty five hundred. Sounds cheap. <laughs> Thirty thirty five. Okay. Ah. Alex. What's up, buddy? To the stone is too heavy. We gotta add some. Oh, okay. Yeah, something's not right. Hold on. Oh, shit. Someone you know? Yeah, someone you Oh, shit. Look at this. Look at this. 3075 movement. That's from a GMT. It's good movement, but it's probably taken apart and just used the balance. I mean, the um, bridge. This isn't right. Can we scratch this? I'm curious. We can test it. Can we test it? Yeah. Come on. Hold off. We're going to go test. Come. Let's go. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. When you start talking, we're going to test. I'm, I'm, <laughs> John. <laughs> oh, God. You know, it, it's fun. That's one of the one of the gold and diamond setters that we work with regularly. Uh -huh. And a lot of customers bring them watches. And I mean, look, I know the guy for God knows how many years. He's a good guy. You know, he, he had no idea what his customer gave him. And subsequently, his customer had no idea that he got burned. But that's Ooh, how much money are we talking? He was trying to sell me the watch for sixty five hundred bucks, which was really inexpensive for a solid gold 18 carat day trust. You know, from it, I think it was from the 80s. So the minute I, I held it in my hand, I looked at it and I was like, the color of the gold was off. But it's like, 
the light's not right. All right, let me, and then I spun the movement. The movement worked, but then I said, let me look inside. And when I looked inside, I saw that the movement was the wrong numbers. Oh my gosh. Then I looked in and I saw like there's, uh, on the inside of the case, you could see the millwork where, I mean, look, one thing about Rolex stuff, they have very, very good quality machining for stuff. You could always look, I mean, if you know what you're looking for, you'll be able to spot it. And the minute I looked at it inside, I'm like, oh boy, something's not right. And then I said, you know what? This color is off. I don't think this is 18 karat gold. And we went and we scratched it. We did a gold test on it, which, you know, I mean, I, I didn't really have to. I knew something was wrong, but I figured, you know what? We're running the cameras. Let's do it. <laughs> It'll make for some good TikTok. And it certainly did because the gold came up. It was like less than, it was like maybe like a little over 10 karat, like 12 karat gold, mm. which it's gold i mean the case if you took the movement out and the crystal and all the other stuff out of it it would have still been worth about eight nine hundred bucks but the movement was i mean i would have still bought the movement you know i mean the face was real the the crown was real the movement was a real movement it was just pieced together but the parts are still worth money but when he said 6500 it just it, it was like wait a minute that sounds really inexpensive if you would have said eight grand it would have made it a little more less you know suspect but it's i would have still looked at it the same way because i look at everything no matter what price it is right. i have to look same eyes and yeah so that guy he gave it back to his customer his customer was shocked and he told me he didn't know about i mean i know alex was the guy that's um that brought it to me and i know alex a long time he's, he's an honest guy i mean he was looking to make 200 bucks on a sale you know what i'm saying it's not like he was making a million dollars but it was not right. And mm. I, you know, have I, mean, you, I wanted to buy it. <laughs> have you ever run into, I mean, you see a whole lot of watches. Uh, mm -hmm. Have you ever looked at a Rolex, right? Yes. And even it's fake, but it's so good that you're like, damn. Have you there, ever, See that watch? That was one of those watches that was built. <laughs> There's a couple of them that I've seen recently that were built to fool people. It's not like these fake watches that come from overseas, you know, in Asia where they're just spitting them out. You buy them for a few hundred bucks and people wear them. And then I see guy. I saw a collection of fake watches the other day at one of the local jewelry stores. Guys that I deal, I've been dealing with for years. They call me up to like, John, I want you to, you got to come in and look at these watches. We're not sure about this stuff. I'm like, yeah, sure. I was, they were like, he, they showed me a box, a picture of the box. And I'm like, hmm, I'm like, okay. And every single one of them was not right. It was, and they were all cheap fakes. The problem that's going on now is that people kind of gotten have gotten educated on certain aspects of the watch that will pop to a guy who knows just enough to be dangerous. And the guys that are the worst at this, that are the worst at identifying this are actually watchmakers. They're like, if you put a real movement, like if a watchmaker got that watch nine times out of 10, they, would not, they wouldn't even think that anything was wrong. They wouldn't even spot it because they're not looking for that those little details. They're looking at the movement and making sure it's a real Rolex movement, which is you know pretty easy to spot if you know what to look for. I mean, it, it, they put together these hybrid fakes in the vintage world mm -hmm. that they're six, seven figure watches, and you know I know guys that have bought them and they are crying the blues. You know they lose you because know, the I, so the, because the fake are that good. Sometimes you make mistakes. I've made mistakes. I mean, it just happens, you know? I mean, you're in a business where it's great risk and great reward, and your knowledge is what really puts you, you know, ahead of a lot of other people. But that said, you can still make mistakes. I've made five and six figure mistakes over the years. It happens. <laughs> wow. Five or six. 
say, and I'm not, I'm being honest with you. You know, I'd say this to anybody because a lot of guys, they see this business and they're like, oh my God, you're making so much money. You're doing this. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. We make a lot of money. Okay. But you know something? We're out there risking it all. We risk all kinds of stuff out there. You know, I mean, you know, we have families, you know, I have, you know, investments, I have all kinds of stuff, but my main business is selling watches. And, you know, we're, you know, we're on the front lines. And, you know, you get these guys, they want to start doing this, you know, now because they saw that it's, you know, it's profitable and the market is strong and it's all over the New York Times and this and this and that. And, you know what? Hey, listen, we're, we, you know, look, you look at a lot of these young dealers. I mean, the, you know, my son, uh, you know, he's, he hates the business, absolutely hates it because he's grown up in it. He's seen the dark side of this business. I mean, right. I, listen, I've done really, really well at times and I've had issues at times with certain things when it comes to watches and it drives you nuts because sometimes you can't, you can't do anything about it. You know, you have somebody that sells you a fake watch, you're out 20, 30, 40 grand. You know, you make a mistake on something, you're out 75, 100,000. You know, it's not like, you know, you're not playing games out here. This is real money. And, you know, I mean, we've got, you know, I've got property. I've got, you know, I've got a house. I've got a mortgage. I've got, you know, I've got all of these things. I've got cars and stuff like that. And so, it's uh, like, you know. So, so a, a mistake of $70,000, $60,000 is a, it's a pricey mistake. Oh, it was my fault. Absolutely my fault. And I own it. If I make a mistake, I will own it. You know, I looked at something. I saw that it was sold at auction. A couple of years prior, I, I committed to it uh, and I told the dealer that was selling it to me, I said to him, look, you know, just hold off. Don't, you know, I have to show this to my customer. You know, here's a check. You know, you got your money. Just wait until you pay off. It was a consignment deal with another dealer. I hate those deals. And this is the reason why. So I send the watch, you know, to to the customer that was buying it, an overseas guy. He gets the watch, calls me up. He's like, John, this isn't right. I'm like, oh, come on. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, no, I know this watch. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, you saw the pictures. He's like, no, but I had to see it in person. I'm like, okay, send it back. You know? So I got the watch back. You know, I had to refund the guy his money, obviously. And now the guy that I got the watch from tells me, oh, I already paid the customer. I'm like, okay, what does that have to do with me? Here's your watch. He's like, no, it's not my watch. It's his watch. I'm like, okay, so I'm stuck. And stuck you know, it's yeah, and I was stuck. Cost me seventy five grand. Mm. But listen, we're talking we're talking Rolex here, but there is some some other watches on the market. Say what? That was a Rolex. Oh, I keep thinking right, about it now. Rolex are, are are very pricey, but then yeah. you know you, you we're talking about some guys, you know, these new age that comes into the business, right? right. You've been around for twenty five years. You've mm -hmm. seen watches these new watches right the mm -hmm. philippe uh what's uh what's 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 another one um what about the richard mealy the richard mealy listen i hear these names because i've heard it in rap music that's the only mm -hmm. reason why i heard of these these watches other than that i i don't know these watches yeah. now you see these what you're an expertise on rolex but when you see these other watches are you entice encourage to even get involved with those brands or you like you like the the brands that you're the rolex that you've you've started oh, I, out dealing with i deal in stuff that i that i that i know i mean i know paddock and i know guys that i trust that know it better than me and mm -hmm. if i have a about something i will check with them mealy is just one of those watches that i have just never understood and it's not to say that it's not a good watch or anything like that 
it's a fashion watch as far as I'm concerned. And I don't really feel that it's made, you know, the way a Patek Philippe. Patek is made much better than Rolex and it's a higher benchmark than Rolex. It's not as, as universally accepted. Patek is like the next level up. You know, but I mean, regular folks, some of them never even heard of it. I mean, I've bought and sold Paddock for years. You know, I'm not crazy about it. I think I bought one that I ever wore and actually enjoyed. I wore it for about three and a half hours and I wound up selling it because I couldn't stand it. It was just not, you know, you couldn't, I like to beat on my watches when I wear, when I used to wear them back in the day. Now I have mm -hmm. my Apple, sorry. but I mean, I've worn all kinds of crazy watches over the years you know i'm taking them on vacation and this and that these days you can't even walk out go to a restaurant with a good watch without having the bus boy come over there and say to you hey look at your rolex i'm like oh my god i'm <laughs> robbed on the way out right you know, <laughs> York, that's some serious stuff right. that's no joke right you know? but i mean mealy is just i don't know i've looked at them and i have a very good eye for value and quality I mean, I could what, look where, at where does it when you say value and quality, what do you base this on the history, the, the, the movement? You know, I base it on just the overall the, the, the actual watch itself, the parts of the watch and how they're made and what it looks like under a microscope or under a loop. And when I look at it, you know, if I look at something and the watches, I had a, a mealy, uh, when was it? I had a trade a mealy with somebody. It was like three hundred fifty thousand dollar watch. And I was like, let me let me just take a look at this thing really closely. I wasn't even involved in it. I was just brokering a deal for somebody, for a friend. And I looked at this thing. I'm like, you're going to pay $350,000 for this thing? I'm like, I don't understand it. You know, and I understand overpaying for stuff that a lot of folks would look at and say, hey, that's the price of my house. Or, hey, right. that's the price. No, I haven't made that money in my life. And I respect that. You know, I mean, I, you know, I didn't grow up rich or anything like that. But I'm looking at this thing and I'm saying I would never put that kind of money on my wrist, number one. I, I don't like the way it looks, which is irrelevant, but it's like, I would not really assess long-term value to one of my, in my private clients who, you know, I've put together collections for them right. over the years that have appreciated 20-fold, 30-fold, mm -hmm. you know, better than any appreciation of stock that they own or real estate or anything like that. And I would never put my really good people into that. Because, and they asked me about it. So, oh, you know, I see this Mealy F1, this, I'm like, okay, listen, you know what? I'm forget, not forget forget it, right? You don't want yeah, to advise I, that. I don't, I don't think you want to do that, I tell them, you know? It's like, you've got a really good collection. I have one good friend who, you know, he was in the, in the, in the game really early on and bought tremendous stuff off me years ago for very little money. It was expensive back in the day, but he bought really high-end stuff off me. And he's got a collection today that's got to be worth, I don't know, in the, in, I don't know, five, 10 million. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's probably got maybe, I don't know, 800,000 that he actually spent on it. Okay. Which is not a bad return over the course of 20 years. And it's, it's just absolutely solid inventory. He can go to an auction house right now. He'd wind up getting 25 million for it at auction. But that said, okay, I would never put him into anything that I would think is, is that sketchy, right. you know, and a lot guys they're gonna look at me oh you can't do that okay i can say whatever i want you know i mean i'm just not a big fan i mean they're they're nice looking they have a place in the market i get it but i i, I don't get you know 
how I, and I, I, you know, listen, the parts of a Rolex are not really worth that much money. Okay. They, they cost money to make. It takes time to make it like Patek Philippe. I mean, it takes a lot longer to make one of those movements, but merely I look at those movements. I'm like, what are you kidding me? This is like mass produced crap. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's just not, it's not there. It just doesn't have it for me. Right. But, so man, you, you but, are Rolex is the Rolex for you. Uh, that's what, you buying watches is for you when you're buying a watch. I mean, 50, 60, I, I, I saw a video, the first, how me and you started talking, uh, you were buying a watch. The what I think the young lady said 190 for the watch. No, uh, 190,000, right? It's 90, you, it was 90,000, and she 90, didn't, she it was 90,000, it was 90,000, and you wanted 80, you wanted to go down to 89, 87. I think you started at 87, uh, and she was not moving. Let's let's play, let's play that clip. Because um, you are, <laughs> <laughs> let's play that clip. We'll come back. We'll talk. Is this new? Yes. New? Definitely new. Definitely new. No, no, no. Okay. Can I see? Of course. What's the date on the card? Oh, okay. Got it. Can I look? Of course. Jasmine. Jasmine. Quanto? 90. 90. 90 grand. What's list on this thing? The list is what? List is what? Like 87 or something like that? 90. Something like that? The Rolex list. No, not that. Yeah, look. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. It's got all the screws. Yes. Pulling. Yeah. And here's the card. Yeah. I don't want to leave this serial number. Um, is there any, I mean, I understand 90, I get it. Like 83 and change? I just bought, I just had to buy an AP over there. God help me. It's you not. You can buy a Rolex, why not? You can buy an AP, you can I, buy a Rolex. I'm only, I'm buying this for customer that's coming in and he wants it. And I know he sent me a deposit. I'm just trying to work you over a little bit so I can eat lunch. You can eat lunch. You can eat dinner and lunch if you can buy those. Yeah, yeah that'll be good. Um, it's funny. It's almost the same price. Is there any? Can we do 85? I'll be busy now. Ay, ay, ay. All right. Fucking film it. Yeah, well, he likes you. 89. Mazal. 90. Come on. 90. All right. You're, you're not Jewish, and neither am I. See, we're exactly. both, we're so both, both not, not Jewish. Jewish, but you know. All right. I, I have to. Uh, I'm going to have to buy it. Okay. I'm going to have to. Just, I'll send a wire. I, I, I sold. Exactly. But I'll send you a wire. Just tell him I'll send him a wire in the morning. Okay? okay? He yeah. knows me. Okay. All right? And I'll just leave it here till the end of the day. Okay. I guess when you want it, you want it, right? I had it sold. It was pre-sold already. It was a very good customer who said, I want the watch. You got to find it. I was on the street that day 
you know, and had I been home, I could have probably done a little more research and found it, but I would have had to buy it locally one way or another. Turns out there was one locally for, I think, 82,000 or something like that. That was on Staten Island with one of our guys. And I didn't know about it. So, okay, you know what? It's What am I going to do? I got paid. I, I, you know, I made a couple of bucks and, you know, you move on, you know, but Jasmine, she was, she was standing firm on that. You right. know, you know, her commission is built into that. And you know what? I respect that. It's like, everybody's got to eat. Everybody has to earn. And I was going to earn one way or another. I was trying to, you know, have a really nice day. You know, if I would have gotten it for 85,000, I would have made myself six grand, seven grand. Okay. And uh, as it turns out, I made myself what? 1500 maybe 2000 on the deal you know I, I had a customer he wanted it he was coming in he was like i have to have it i am traveling you got to have it for me and i'm like all right i'll just run out there and find it he's like look here's some here's a down payment just get the watch i'll pay you when i get there i'm like okay fine you know how, he how showed many, up how many how many watches you buy a day <sighs> well, don't yeah. answer that let, let, let's go back how how does your day start Right. Do you have starts, do you do you have a list of watches that you got to go look at? How does your day start? Talk to me about your day. First thing I do in the morning, I wake up and I'm usually up at about five a.m. I come downstairs, I turn on the news, I look at you know, I look at the stocks and stuff like that to watch where the euro is and stuff like that. As I'm doing that, I'm communicating with my buyers and sellers and my dealer friends that are overseas because if it's five in the morning here, it's five in the evening over in Asia. It's in the early afternoon in, uh, you know, it's like, in, it's, it's the, you know how the time zones go, right. you know, London, you know, my European guys, and then I've got my Middle Eastern guys, and we just go across the board. Then at around, I don't know, probably seven o'clock or so, I'm on my second cup of coffee, and I'm in the office, I'm getting stuff ready to go. And I'm um, waking up my son. I'm waking up Tyler from Vukum. That's my other boy, too. He's like a son to me. And uh, we, we get ready to go to New York. And we, uh, we just pack up our stuff that we have to bring in. I usually have to bring in some parts and stuff like that to, you know, finish up projects that I have going. And on the way, I'll be getting texts and phone calls. Whoever's sitting in the front seat next to me is going to be handling the phone. People are going to be calling. Um, once we get to the city, I check in, I hang out over at booth number seven at Belinda at 66 West with my boy, Tony, and I see what he's picked up for me. I see what I've got to give him. And, uh, we just go from there. Sometimes I have orders that I have to fill. Other times I'm just buying just a stock, but my stock oh is my fast moving. Right. I try in my head pre-sold cause I don't like to sit on inventory, especially watch inventory. Mm -hmm. I barely have more than three or four big watches at a time. I usually move them out as fast as possible. Sometimes I make 500 bucks on, you know, on a $75,000 watch. I just do it. You know, it, it's not, it, you're making, some guys work all week to make that kind of money. Okay. And I respect that. And it's like, you got to respect the business and the money. I know a lot of guys are like, oh my God, you're laying out $50,000. You're going to make $500,000. That's crazy. You're nuts. I'm like, no, it's not. It's a guaranteed sure thing. It's like, here, I write a check for 50. Someone's going to write me a check back for 56, 57. They'll do it at the end of the day. It's like, it, it, it's it's an easy way to make money. Other guys want to squeeze it out until the last dollar. Mm. And, you know, those are the guys that wind up getting hurt sometimes because they're, they're waiting and the market shifts and then they're screwed. Talk, talking, about, talking about the market shift, what really drives this the watch industry? Is it the the economy? Uh, how the market... the the, the stocks is doing 
demand? What 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 what's what what drives it? The last four or five years, there's been a huge push. A lot of the younger people started getting into it, and a lot of it, a lot of the 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 hip hop community and stuff like that. It was being kind of showcased in such a way that it made it very appealing to a lot of people a broad broad scope whereas a lot of times like like my market the vintage market has always been a very low key down low backdoor backroom type dealings regular watches i mean anybody can buy and sell regular watches it doesn't take much skill it just takes you know takes balls <laughs> excuse my friend you know you've got to you got to lay out money if you want to make money and a lot of guys don't want to do it, so they'll go work for somebody. And usually, you know, they'll learn, and then they'll go out on their own. And you know, some of them make what make good, and some of them don't. But the market is just very, very, you know, it's very subjective, and it's 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 brutal sometimes. It really is, you know, it just is. You just got to be able to withstand it. Well, yeah, you know, look, I'm 58 years old. Okay, I mean. In my 40s, I was a different person, okay? Totally different person. I was a person who always wore, I was the first kid on the block with the latest car. I was the first kid on the block with, you know, the best watch, you know? And, okay, you know, where'd it get me? You know, got me a heart attack <laughs> at, uh, at what, 44. Mm. And, you know, at 50 years old, I just kind of said to myself, I was like, you know something? Things gotta change, they have to change. And I kind of changed my perspective. I actually, I lost my best friend when I was, uh, when I was 50 mm -hmm. and it's almost 10 years ago, I mean, just horrifying circumstances. And it, it, it changed me. It changed my perspective. It changed a lot of things. And I've lost people before. This was just completely, you know, it was just horrifyingly personal. And I kind of, you know, I got healthy. I lost a bunch of weight. Um, I started, you know, training and going to the gym and, and actually taking care of myself like right. better than I whole life. And, you know, um, I'm in a good place mentally, you know, I mean, I have, I have, my son is an absolute, you know, drives me nuts sometimes, but you know, on the flip side of that, I wouldn't change a thing. You know, I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, the kid Tyler drives me nuts sometimes, I wouldn't change a thing about him, you know, and we're together all the time. You know, I mean, I'm married, what, 24 years and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay. You know, I'm fortunate. I'm lucky, you know, and I right. get up every day, know that I'm lucky and I'm lucky because I make my own luck a lot of times because I work really hard. I'm up at five in the morning. I pass out at 11 o'clock, mm -hmm. you know, and if I get, you know, five, six hours sleep, I'm good to go. I'm up and ready to rock and roll. And, you know, sometimes my wife looks at me, she's like, what are you doing? You're running yourself ragged. I'm like, what am I going to do if I don't do this? Right. You know, into something I have to, I have to keep moving. I'm one of these guys that I'm not good when there's nothing to do. You know, I, I retired when I was, wow, I was in my early forties. I, I, I retired for the first time. I was like, no, the watch business isn't really, it's not what I really want to do. Right. I want something else that's a little more stable. I wound up losing a half a million dollars in a construction deal uh, god help <laughs> then you but, then you then you're right yeah. back because it's what you're passionate about you know something you speak of passion i was really passionate about this business for many many years and that's what really drove my knowledge to another level because i knew i i had to know better than a lot of the real experts that are out there and i'm i'm an expert trust me 
Okay. There are other guys that are experts too. And when we're all playing in the sandbox together, you're mm. going to get taken advantage of if you don't know what you're doing. So right. I made business to absolutely know what I needed to know. And it took a lot of time. I mean, I, I would be up all night doing business. You know, when I first moved to New Jersey, uh, I moved to New Jersey when 2000 and I moved here and I quit my job. I was a, a caseworker. I was working in social services and I quit my job. I had a new baby, a new mortgage, and I was living in Jersey. I'd never lived in Jersey, but I had a parking spot. So I was happy, you know, I didn't have to walk a mile to park my car right, in right. Brooklyn. So, you know what? I, I, and I learned, I learned a lot, you know, about myself, about people. And, you know, you just, you do your best to, to be a good person. And I, I know that sounds kind of corny, but like, you know, you got to do the right thing, man. Sure. I mean, if you don't thing in life it's like what kind of what kind of example do you set like my son i mean he is like extremely rigidly you know straight laced you know extremely straight laced when it comes to those things and i thank god every day for it you know i know kid i know you, you did you did a good job you did and that and that's a testament to, to your parenting it's not a coincidence when kids are good and it's not a coincidence when they're bad you know, it, it's, it happens for a reason. Sometimes there, there are these, you know, freaks of nature type things that, you know, and I've had friends like that that grew up in great situations and, you know, they, they, they died with a needle in their arm or something like that. I mean, listen, I go back to the seventies. Okay. I mean, I've right. lived, I have lived a life and it's like, you look back and you say to yourself, it's like, man, you know, I, I mean, I mean, I don't drink, I don't do drugs. I mean, I stopped all of that shit in the nineties, you know? And it's like, thank God I did. Right. You know, you, um, you, um, before I let you go, you started a new company at a launch today. We were talking about, but I don't know if you want to talk about it, but I, I'd like to ask you about the, the new launch that you did. Tell us, tell us about that before you go. It's, it's a project that I was working on with my son's best friend, my mm -hmm. son, myself and his best friend, whose name is Tyler McCorsky. And um, he he has always like I, he's got a great family. We're all friends, you know. We spend holidays together, and he has always looked up to me and the business in some way. Okay, he's always been one of these kids that's like you know he always wanted to hustle, always wanted to get out there and do his own thing. And when he was 18 years old, he started coming with me to 47th Street for the summer. Because my son was doing, and my son didn't want to do it. He was doing a photography gig that he was um, involved in and working in music and stuff like that, which I did when I was young. So I was like, you know what, do what you got to do. So I took Tyler with me, and you know he was green behind, green behind the gills, wet behind the ears, like Stephen A. Smith says, you know, breath smelling like Similac, all of that stuff. Right. And I take him to the city with me, and you know we'd hang out. And I mean, I love this child like he's my own. Okay, and he went away to school and he lasted about three weeks and he comes back and I'm like, what are you doing? Just finish the semester. You got to pay for it anyway. He's like, no, I'm done with this. I want to do my own thing. And he's like, I'm going to sell watches. I'm like, Oh my God. All right. I'll help you. Whatever you need, I'll help you. And he came up with this thing called Vukum. Mm -hmm. And you know, back in the day when I started Tuscany Rose, my whole thing was I didn't want a company that sounded like a watch company. You know, I wasn't going to be like, you know, back to time or time counts and this and that. So I always said that to him. You've got to have something that's going to ring true and mm -hmm. people are going to remember. So he came up with this thing called Vukum and COVID hits. 
And I was in Miami on March 15th. I was supposed to do a trade show. My wife and I were down there at, at I forget, we were at the Lowe's or something down on South Beach. And we flew back because my son was in Palm Beach doing a, it was his birthday actually. Yeah, his birthday was March 15th. And we went up to Palm Beach and we were hanging out. And everybody had to like get back to New York because they were going to shut everything down. So we fly back. And Tyler's like, I want to start, you know, I want to start this group or this and that. I'm like, all right, let's start it. What the hell? We got nothing else to do. And we started this little chat group on WhatsApp called Vukum Chat. And then we started a Facebook group. And, you know, I put in all of my, you know, my guys that I know that I know for years. I was listen, we're starting a group, you know, come on in. We'll buy, sell and trade together and we'll add some other folks in. What happened was, I mean, just kind of took off. And it, it, we never charged any money for it. It was always a free group. That was one of the things that we did. We just, you know, let's do business. What happened in the last year, Tyler got on TikTok and he started making a name for himself with the Vukum page. I have, I had an account, but I started like in September posting. And then all of a sudden I caught fire in there. Mm -hmm. And we have, you know, we have a lot of follow. I'm probably cracking 200,000 tonight and he's going to crack 200,000 in another week. And we're looking at each other and all we're doing is getting all of these requests for, oh, can you get me this? Can you get me that? I see the videos, just trustworthy, this and that. I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I mean, first of all, I can't really sell to a lot of people like that because of the retail, you know, I'm not a retail guy. So I said, you know what, here's what we're going to do. He came up with this. He's like, listen, put a chat group together. You know, all the, I, I'm, I belong to chat groups that I pay thousands of dollars to be in, very mm -hmm. specific vintage chat groups and other groups that I pay thousands to be in, okay, over, over the course of a year. We said, you know what, let's make this affordable to everybody. It's going to be 20 bucks a month, cancel anytime. We get people that send us a picture of a watch and it's like, oh, could you tell me whether this is real? And I get 50 of them a day. I mean, I could sit down all day wow. long and do All day long I'm doing this. Oh, how much is this worth? How much? I was like, listen, Let's open up this group, 20 bucks a month. You want to quit after the first month, quit, no problem. You want to get in there for the first month and ask 100 questions, ask 100 questions. So I put like 40 or 50 of the dealers that I deal with every day, that I know and trust, that I would have no problem. You know, if, if, I, if I don't have a watch, I'm not going to run out there and get it for somebody. I, it's hard, you know, you can't really do that all the time. Right. It's like, listen, go call my guy over here, you know, Call Tony, he'll take care of it for you. Gotcha. So we put together this group and, you know, we're, we're, we're going through the motion, like we're going through the hurdles right now of getting it up and running. We've got people paying to be in it right now. We've got dealers posting stuff and it's hopefully going to be a big thing. And at some point we're going to, you know, we're going to branch out to other, other areas, branch out to other jewelry stores and become Vukum verified, you know, dealers where guys can go in there and we'll have people available online to authenticate stuff and make sure that stuff is right mm -hmm. to the best ability. There's always the chance that something goes wrong, right. but you know, got to be able to take a shot out there and, and, you know, hit your goal somehow. So we're, we're, this thing just launched. And I mean, today has been, today's been crazy. I've been sitting here manually inputting people who are paying through some, uh, I, I don't know what's it called, Stripe or something like that. And putting up, <laughs> My accountant is it wants to strangle me because he handles me. He handles Tyler. I got I made sure that Tyler went with him because he knows my business. He knows, you know, what we're looking at here. Right. And my son, my son, my son works for uh, he works for a large auction house, the largest auction company, largest on the planet. And he does authentication for them. He, he 
flags. Listen, that listen, listen, listen. You, know what I'm you, 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 you guys got to come back. You, oh, you, we, listen, we, we can be at all. You got to, you got to come back. You got to come back. I'd love to. Uh, I want you to come back. New York, man, you let me know when you're coming up to New York. You'll have some fun. I promise you. <laughs> You know what? We might, we might, we might have to do the podcast from the Diamond District. Yeah, come down. Yeah, we might have to come down and do the podcast from there live. John, John Buckley, man, listen, uh, luxury watch expert and Rolex, sir. Listen, it was a very informative conversation. I learned a lot, uh, and you're more than welcome to come back. We just got to pick a date uh, to bring you back. And listen, uh, I wish you all the best of luck with Vukum. Did I pronounce that right? Certainly did. Yeah, Vukum, Vukum, your son, um, and your, uh, I think, Tyler, you know, <laughs> I want you guys to do well, and I wish you guys the best of luck. Thank you for being here and chatting with me, man. And thank you so much for having me. It, it is, it's a blessing to be on your show. Thank you so much. Will do. You take care. Be well. Thank you so much. All, all the right. best. All the best.